Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a series of podcasts to help you build your resilience for a better life, both at home and at work. In fact, we're going to help you get your bounce back. There are lots of different subjects, people and tools and techniques across this series, so please feel free to subscribe. Information can be found at personalresilience.com and you can access other goodies and online courses and coaching as well as today's show notes. In the meantime, please enjoy today's podcast. So good afternoon, everybody. Good morning, everybody, wherever you are. Um, Today we have a a very interesting guest, almost a unique guest, someone I think who's got some really inspirational advice, tips and guidance, someone who himself has transformed the way he lives and his own life and is a really remarkable individual. Today I'm talking to Charles Eugster. Hi, Charles. Hello. So if you were to describe yourself, Charles, how would you how would you describe you and what you do? How I describe myself, I would describe myself as an absolutely normal person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have our first disagreement. <laughs> so okay. um, you you hold some quite specific records though. Do you want do you want to tell us about those sorts of things? Well, um, I, uh, I hold uh, two world records. One is the 200-meter uh, indoors and the 400-meter outdoors. Um, I also hold, what is it, I think about three, uh, three British records. Now, you must understand uh, the uh, situation as far as British records is concerned. I will give you an example of my latest record that was for the long jump. Yeah. Now, I had uh, strained a muscle in training, and I was in a terrible shape, but I nevertheless, I thought that I would, I would try the long jump. I tried the long jump, and with... An enormous amount of luck. Uh, on the second go, I managed to land into the sand pit. Right. Okay. And that was a British record. Fantastic. Well, that's simply because nobody of my age has ever even attempted the long jump, which I find so ridiculous. Yes. I, I, I have got uh, the, these, these British records, most of them, are simply due to the fact that nobody of my age has attempted, which is I, I, just staggering. And, and, and I know you see yourself as a totally normal person, I understand that, but for the people who don't know, can you tell them how old you are? I'm 97. Fantastic. And so what you're demonstrating is an approach to life that gives you longevity um, by using fitness and exercise and good diet, I think. Is that, is, that the, is that the nub of it? No. Ah. No. No retirement. That is the key. Oh, really? Tell me more. No retirement. Retirement is the most destructive thing that was ever in, in an image by man. It's uh, it's a financial disaster and a health catastrophe. Wow! Absolutely. So, so I want to change the world. We we are we are destroying ourselves. We're destroying old age. Old age could be fantastic, wonderful, stupendous, extraordinary, exciting. 
But we, as Matt, we are, um, how shall I put it, um, two-legged mammals, yeah. and uh, what what we have done is that we have we have been given the um, how shall I put it, the gift of heaven, mm-hmm. in, in that we are able to live longer than ever before. Yes. What we have done with it, we have destroyed it. We have destroyed old age. Wow. Well, I'm very keen to hear more. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your sort of your journey, your life, and um, bring us up to speed with with the with 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 I suppose the conventional idea of a working life, and then when you started to change your mind about retirement and and longevity, how? Right. I was a I was a dentist until I was uh, seventy five. Right. I I only stopped practicing because I had the impression that my uh, finger dexterity was uh, declining. I see. That's the only reason I stopped. However, at the age of fifty nine, I had uh, started a. Uh, Newsletter, a clinical newsletter on on uh, dentistry, and um, that's a, a, a rather perhaps on the sideline. It's not realised that uh, the most um, entrepreneurial, productive decade is in the age of of fifty five to sixty five. There are more entrepreneurs at that age than any other and the interesting thing is that the companies that they found after um, five years are longer lasting than those of the youngsters right now um, that seems to suggest that uh, you can uh, start uh, a shall we say a new company or you can be an inventor or you can create something at any age. But the uh, w- what I did was I I became a um, publisher in that case. I see. And uh, I always went to the United States to uh, I, I I joined a what they called a newsletter club, and a very 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 interesting and uh, stimulating and. Um, and the uh, we, and my newsletter, um, I think it was in three languages. Right. And um, uh, unfortunately, my wife died when I was eighty-two, and that, um, how shall I put it, uh, made me uh, rather depressed and so forth. Sure. I thought that I would only live until eighty-five, and unfortunately, I disposed of my newsletter and then for the first time I um, experienced, um, how shall I put it, what I call unemployment. Right. I was um, unemployed um, from the age of 82 to um, 90. Right. Okay. Uh, what happened was this: a very um, interesting situation. I was an avid rower. I was always rowing. Now I was rowing six days a week. Mm-hmm. Now it may interest people that when you get to a certain age, 
You can do your endurance exercises six days a week and nevertheless your body will deteriorate. Right. And uh, this is something that uh, unfortunately has not been recognized. But um, being an extremely vain person, <laughs> I um, decided to do something about my body. I, I, I wanted to have a good body. And so at the age of 87, I joined a bodybuilding club. I see and hired a Mr. Universe as my, a previous Mr. Universe as my instructor. Right. And uh, he, uh, first of all, he, he said, now look, you've got to stop uh, training six days a week. If you want to build your body, you must only train three times a week because it's in the recovery period where uh, muscles are developed. Oh, um, right, I didn't know that. Oh yes, that's, that's extremely important. If you don't have your recovery period, it just does not work. Right. Okay? Anyway, um, it, it took me uh, three years to completely rebuild my body. My body was completely rebuilt. Yeah. I, I found a... Um, new coach who was uh, interested in uh, training older people and also she was an um, advocate of uh, a, a different uh, type of training where you don't train one specific muscle uh, but uh, muscle um, groups. I see. Okay. Yeah. And uh, my, my body was uh, completely rebuilt at the age of 90, and then all of a sudden, at the age of 90, I got a job. Right. I was uh, employed by a, a large uh, fitness group in uh, Germany who made a film about me because they wanted to propagate the uh, muscle building, especially for older people. I see which is uh, extremely important because you must realize that uh, from the age of about 50, we um, lose about 1% or 2% of our muscle mass every year. Some people um, give it more. And the result is that when most people are about 80 or 85, they may have lost about 50% of their muscle mass. I see. which has been replaced by fat. Right. Okay. Now, um, the, important th the important thing to know is that muscle is the largest metabolic organ of our bodies. Right. And it is also, what is surprising, a secretory organ. That is to say, when you move your muscles, your muscles secrete messenger substances which affect the whole body. There's even a, um, a special uh, substance that uh, affects uh, the brain. And uh, um, it is extremely important, especially in, in old age, that uh, muscle is preserved. But unfortunately, uh, the term 
sarcopenia, that is the condition of uh, muscle loss, not only includes loss of muscle mass, but loss of muscle power and loss of muscle strength. I see. Okay. And so, and so if someone has lost the muscle mass, is it possible to get it back through this yes. form of exercise? Yes, but it has to be a specific type of exercise, number one. Right. is to say it has to be what one calls hypertrophy exercise. This is not strength exercise, it's hypertrophy. Unfortunately, in order to do that, you have to train your muscles to exhaustion. Really? That is the only way that we know at the present time. And in addition, because the older people have a, a reduced um, protein synthesis, mm -hmm. that um, they should take um, supplements, right. protein supplements. Now, um, when my uh, coach um, told me about this, he said, look, um, uh, you should take supplements. I said, look, it's absolute bullshit. And <clears throat> I, I, I didn't take supplements, and unfortunately the results of my exercise were extremely poor. But uh, immediately I, I took these uh, um, supplements. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, there was uh, improvement. And then the interesting thing is that... Um, um, certain amino acids have a uh, very great effect, such as leucine and creatine. These are um, uh, substances that also uh, help with the um, with the with the bodybuilding. Um, but um, as far as my, as we say. Um, um, personal life was concerned. As I said, I my body was completely rebuilt at the age of 90. I got a job at the age of 90, which lasted two years. Um, I also got a new girlfriend at the age of 90. Um, and um, uh, then at, um, I decided to do something new and became a speaker. I see. I became a speaker, and uh, my uh, TEDx talk has, uh, what is it, 550,000 um, clicks. And uh, then um, that was the age of um, 93. At um, 95, I began to realize that uh, building muscle mass alone is not sufficient. You have to do something else, and that is to increase your power. And you can increase your power by uh, in intensive interval training. Mm -hmm. And that is to say you do very hard spurts of exercise, and then you may rest or you may do just a, a slow exercise in between, and then you start again and repeat and repeat. And uh, that is um, something uh, that, uh, interestingly enough, um, uh, I, I decided to um, do this in the form of sprinting. Because one of the things that interested me was 
when you look at runners, um, they are completely different according to the distance that they run. Now, if you look at marathon runners, they're all matchstick men. Yes. But if you look at uh, sprinters, such as Mr. Bolt, for example, he's a mass of muscle. Yes. And so, uh, for me, shall we say, running long distances is something that would be absolutely contraindicated for older people because it, it takes away your most valuable asset, your muscle. Your muscle gets broken down. Wow, see, yes, it makes sense, doesn't it, when you think about it, yeah. Anyway, the um, interesting thing with this is you have uh, fast-twitched and slow-twitch muscle fibers, and, and it's the uh, fast-twitch muscle fibers that disappear when you, when you get older, but you can replace them by um, sprinting. There is a, a research that uh, suggests that um, a 70-year-old sprinter can have the same amount of um, fast-twitch muscles as a 40-year-old untrained person. So um, for, uh, should we say, older age, it's important not only to build your muscle, but also to build your power. I see. Okay. Now, um, after after becoming a um, a speaker, at, as I said, at the age of um, it was only at the age of seventy five for the first time in my life yeah. I started sprinting. Yeah. And uh, as I mentioned before, managed managed to get these uh, two world records. And at um, ninety seven, I am now writing a book. I think you've written it. Have you written it and published it? I think it's, is it out yet? Is it coming out in January, I think, isn't it? It's coming out on January the 26th and uh, can already be ordered. Uh, the title is Age is Just a Number. Mm, very good. And, and so in that book, what, what is your, I mean, I'm guessing you're, you've got a lot of the advice that you've been discussing here, but also this idea of that retirement is very bad for you. Um. Oh, re <laughs> retirement is is uh, how shall I put it? It's um, it's terrible. I've uh, I've experienced it. Now you mustn't forget that um, practically all the retired have chronic disease. Yes, and um, retirement is simply voluntary or involuntary unemployment. Yes. But, okay. but 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 I suppose a lot of people would say um, we have that disease because we've got older. But you're saying that's not necessarily true, is it? You're you're saying you've you've got that disease because perhaps because you're not working. Because you're not working. Yes, I see. Um, why do I say that? I say that because um, unemployment. In the, uh, shall we say, employable age, that's the age between, what, 15 and uh, 65, yeah. those people that are employed, unemployed, um, they develop chronic disease. Yeah. And another thing is that they also have 
mental uh, problems after only about 27 weeks of unemployment people develop um, uh, depression therefore it is of course no surprise whatsoever that from the age of 65 um, depression increase or doubles every five years right it's a very interesting you're absolutely right those statistics are scientifically proven as well i've seen them myself and i I suppose you don't really i think most people think that we've worked to deserve our retirement yes okay you've worked to deserve but you but you don't realize what retirement means yes I mean, uh, the, the idea of uh, retirement, that's to say not working, I mean, you are no longer making a contribution to society. You have been uh, robbed, in my opinion, of your most important identity. I see. And um, as I say, one of the most important things is making a uh, contribution to society. You are no longer doing that. You, you are forced into idleness. And uh, what, um, what one says is, well, I want to spend more time with my family. Now, those that say that must then answer the question, why do you want to punish your family for... Uh, in that way. Right. Tell me more about that. How do you mean? Well, uh, your your family may not want to see you. I see. What so about what about people? Of course about... not. Look, uh, a young, um, uh, I I don't know, a sort of uh, young. Uh, when I was a uh, when I was a young teenager, the only really thing that uh, that interested me was uh, was girls, but. Um, I, I was I, I didn't have any I didn't have any grandparents I might have might have been able to be so put I mean look I'm interested in all sort of doddering people who are not doing anything <laughs> what about um, so you talk about um, the idea of not retiring but you meet a lot of grandparents who actually do do childcare and you know you have this system where you know the kids are out at work and then the grandparents look after the, the grandchildren. So effectively that becomes a job, doesn't it? Does that count in terms of work or, or, or do you think that's, that's, that's not, that doesn't count in a way? Oh, no, of, of, of course it counts as work. What definitely counts as an enormous amount of work is uh, women who, who have um, husbands in old age because it's the women that... Um, take care of the household and take care of the men, they have a job. Right. But the men don't, and that is one of the reasons why women live longer. Now, you can take lots of examples. Look at, look at the, queen. the Queen. The Queen has a job. The Queen has a job. She is 90. She is not somebody, as far as I know, that goes jogging in the um, Buckingham Palace park at six o'clock in the morning but she has a job and it's the job that keeps her going and one of the most interesting things is that she is always standing 
which is extremely important because long-term sitting is dangerous. Oh, tell me more about that, because there are a lot of jobs in normal working age which are all about sitting, like computer operators and such like, and entrepreneurs, of course. So exactly, that, yes. And, and so you're knows. saying this is a problem now, are you? Absolutely. It's a, it's a problem from a statistical point of view. Those that sit for long periods, they are far more likely to have uh, heart problems later in life. The most important thing to do is to get up now and again, walk just around the desk and, and, and sit down again. But just, but just um, uh, uh, move, if, if possible, every half hour, if that's not possible, move every hour, just walk around the desk. Um, even, even that is, uh, is uh, sufficient. Right. And so, so you've spoken a lot about exercise, Charles, but you've not mentioned diet as much at all. Is that because you think exercise has the biggest return in terms of... Um, no, uh, my, as, as I say, for me, for a successful old age, the most important and fundamental things is work. Yes. That's the most, the second most important thing is diet. Right. And here we are in a, um, uh, shall we say, a very difficult situation because of the um, theory of um, uh, Dr. Keynes in the uh, United States that uh, advocated uh, low um, meat consumption and above all low fat. Yes. And uh, this has been then replaced by uh, increased carbohydrates and the uh, use of vegetable oils. Yes. Now, you must realize that uh, before 1910, vegetable oils were unknown as a diet, as a nutritional uh, substance. Right. And this is uh, something that is completely new. We have completely um, changed our diet. And you can see the results every day of the fat bellies of the people that walk around. We have a pandemic of obesity. This is nothing that has ever happened previously. We have a pandemic of uh, diabetes. 8.2% of the world's population has diabetes. And uh, a thing that has been largely neglected is um, some research which suggests that obesity um, causes a reduction of the frontal area or shrinkage of the frontal area of the brain. Right. Okay, now if present um, uh, statistics continue, uh, I think it's about 20, 30, 50% of the American uh, population will be obese. Right. Now, can you imagine the most powerful nation in the world with 50% of the population having shrinking brains? Um, it doesn't bear thinking about, I suppose, does it? Well, there you are, you see. I mean, we, we have to do something. We've got to realize that 
that this particular uh, theory that's been advocated and, of course, um, unfortunately, um, supported by the food industry because vegetable oils are cheaper than um, animal fats. Yes. See? So uh, they are pushing this and the idea of carbohydrates. That is one of the reasons why we have all these masses of uh, sugar in, in our diet, which is simply carbohydrates, and um, lack of fat. Now, I am a person that um, um, presumably because I do, uh, shall we say, extensive exercise compared to other people, that I need fat. Right. I um, And I've been trying to um, uh, have a fatty diet and I find it extremely difficult because everything is low fat or no fat. There's even yogurt, yogurt with no fat. Now, what on earth is that for substance? <laughs> it's true. And, uh, yes, interesting. So you advocate um, a meat diet or a fish diet with, with low carbohydrate and proper amounts of protein and fat by the sounds of things. Yes. Is that right? Uh, the most important thing is that what one eats is fresh. Right, I see. Fresh, and as I say, for especially for older people, a high-protein diet, that's to say eggs, fish, meat, a high-protein diet is essential, and unfortunately, it's just the other way around. The older people are usually uh, uh, filled with uh, carbohydrates, and uh, which, of course, is uh, detrimental uh, to, uh, to health. But the interesting thing is that um, um, the type of exercise that you do should determine your, your diet. The most important thing to remember is that um, what is good for me is not necessarily good for you right. because your uh, digestion is um, uh, done by um, bacteria. Now, the number of bacteria in your gut is greater than the number of cells that you have in the body. And my gut bacteria may be completely different to yours. Yes. So, so that it's no earthly good telling somebody that um, uh, they should eat a, a standard diet. You've got to go into all sorts of different things. For example, <clears throat> where do these people live? Now, it's perfectly obvious that um, if you are, shall we say, living on the North Pole as an Eskimo or something, that your diet is going to be completely different to that of somebody living in the equator. And uh, the... the the other thing, as I mentioned, is the type of activity that you're doing. If you are an, an endurance person, if you're one of these people that, for example, run long distances, you would um, more favor, a, shall we say, before running carbohydrate loading and also carbohydrate replenishment. However, if you are somebody um, like me who 
who now wants to get into um, uh, short-distance running, um, I should uh, consume uh, more protein. So it, it depends on uh, your uh, diet. And the, how should I put it, the interesting thing about exercise and about nutrition, first of all, I'd like to say that um, the amount of knowledge that is available is scarce. There's yes. practically nothing really sensible out there. We do not know what the optimum amount of exercise or even the type of exercise. And my, uh, shall we say, uh, the thing that helps me is the fact that we, our bodies are unchanged since 150,000 years ago when we were hunter-gatherers. Now, the important thing about hunter-gatherers is that they had an extremely varied diet. Yeah. That is to say that you should continuously change, have an enormous difference in what you're eating. And, of course, what they ate was fresh. Um, what happened, perhaps, was that there was no food available so that uh, if you... Um, uh, don't have sufficient food at one particular time, that seems to be no, no big problem. The other thing is, as far as exercise, they were, they were hunting for food and um, they were digging and running and climbing and doing all sorts of different exercise. Uh, let's say, uh, put it this way, different types of uh, bodily movements. And that is one of the most important things to realize, that if you have a training schedule, that the training schedule must be continuously changed. Right. Uh, that is to say that you have a training schedule. Um, that has been established as a result of tests, you should be pre-tested to find out what, uh, what your strength is, what your endurance is, what your balance is, what your coordination is, and all these sorts of different things. And then a training plan can be established. And then, the first of all, the training plan will be completely changed after about um, five weeks. Right. A month and re re um, revalued. You should be retested. This is uh, how shall I put it? The sort of ideal um, form of uh, training, which uh, is um, uh, at, at the moment simply simply not um, simply not available. And then you must realize that. Um, uh, you'll be training for a specific reason. What is the aim? What do you want to achieve? Do you want to have a good body? Do you want to be an endurance person? Do you want to be a, um, a, a power person? Um, another interesting thing is uh, the um, genetic, uh, genetic tests. Now, uh, genetic tests have been uh, used to determine 
whether somebody is an athletic in, uh, shall we say, long distances, or if he is a person that is uh, good at uh, short distances, for example. <clears throat> However, it has uh, been a great disappointment that recently there has been um, a, a couple of reports to say that these uh, genetic tests are um, in, inaccurate, which is a great disappointment because there's another factor that is being completely ignored, is that as far as exercise is concerned, there are super responders, there are responders, and there are also non-responders. That is to say, there are some people that you can put into a gym and they do a certain amount of exercise and they have magnificent results. You put other people in, they have average results. You put some other people in and they have no results whatsoever. Right. And unfortunately, according to uh, Professor Timmons, I think it's about 20% of the older people who um, are seem to be un unable to um, develop uh, muscle in, in old age. So that um, a lot depends upon your genetic um, background and it is extremely difficult at the present time exactly to uh, determine. And the other, the other thing is that even with the responders, the difference uh, between the responders is, is, is about four to five hundred percent. That is to say that uh, the one person has dramatic results and others don't. So it's no earthly good um, saying that you should do more, do more, do more. It's um, it's entirely, how shall I put it, dependent on the person's uh, genetic uh, genetic buildup. Yes. Would you would you advocate in your forties, fifties, sixties, doing more preventative works, getting exercise earlier? Would you, would you recommend that? Uh, the first thing that I would recommend is um, that the person should work out what type of occupation that they want to do when they are 70 or 80 years of age. Right. They should consider retraining. If they, if, um, retraining, um, um, Exercise and learning something new is something that um, affects the telomeres, that's the ends of the chromosomes. And it's very interesting that this um, affects old age. That is to say, if you want to live a healthy old age, you should be um, continuously um, relearning and also um, uh, exercising uh, those are the uh, those are the two things but should we say the most important uh, factors should we say somebody age of 50 60 they they should realize that um, our pension schemes around the world are bankrupt literally yes uh, and um, unless we um, find a solution, the, um, uh, our children or your children and my grandchildren could live in poverty. 
Well, thank you, Charles. That's been amazing. Um, people can find out more information about Charles and his amazing career and life at charlesyukster.com. Join his Facebook pages, and we'll have some links from our own websites and such like. Uh, he's a remarkable man. You'll hear him in the media on a regular basis. Uh, recently on Radio 4 UK um, on the Saturday Live program, um, and just as feisty in his experience and as inspirational, really, as uh, as he was on today. Meanwhile, that's all for today, and we look forward to joining you next time on. Resilience and Raffled. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found some value. Um, there are lots of other podcasts in this series, lots of different speakers, tools and techniques and subjects. So please subscribe and see what else might be helpful for you. Um, it would be smashing if you could pop across to iTunes and drop us a review. As I said earlier, we've got tons of information on our sites, lots of free goodies, ebooks, webinars and such like, uh, as well as some uh, online courses and specific coaching, sometimes from some of the speakers you've heard on these podcasts. So I hope to uh, have your company again on the next edition of Resilience Unraveled. Bye now.